It might have caused their patterns to merge. Like an Andorian amoeba. Just like that, Tuvix is born. Welcome to another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast from a non-tracky perspective. I'm Liam Dempsey and I'm joined by my usual co-host, Matt. Hello. And Paul. Hiya. And we are also joined by a very special guest tonight, Mr. Josh Weller. How are you doing, sir? Very good. Thanks for having me on here, finally. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been a long time coming, which I've been trying to sort out, so it's really, really good to uh, have you here. It was Uh, actually my wife, Sophie, who initially put you forward for us, and said she follows you on Instagram and was just like, this guy's the biggest Star Trek fan. (laughs) And we'd love to have on. And and so, yeah, Liam's been working on it ever since. And and to be talking (laughs) Sophie's favourite Star Trek show, right? Voyager is... uh... she was... Sophie watched the entire Voyager run whilst breastfeeding our first spawn. So she revisited that, and I think she had Voyager on the brain, Star Trek on the brain. And so, yeah, perfect. Everything aligned. Amazing stuff. Amazing. Yeah, Sophie, of course, your wife, Paul, was our guest for our first ever episode on Star Trek Voyager way, way back in the day, where we did a latent image uh, in that episode, and we also did the pilot as well, Caretaker, of course. But we've covered, covered a few other Voyager episodes since then, haven't we? Year of Hell... But we haven't done too much Voyager because Matt, you're always the good litmus test of this. Well, at the end of the day, because yeah, because yeah. you tend to, you're the one who's kind of fallen behind your homework the most, <laughs> who's been getting held over for detention. Put on blast here, yeah. Voyager, have Guilty. you actually watched much Voyager in all last day? Yeah, no, I, I have. I'll have to check my little log because I have been doing a few, and this today's episode is one I did do like way back when, so it was nice to revisit this actually. But it's still not that much. Because, yeah, up until we get to a sort of proper revisited episode where we pick some faves, I'll get some more in for that, for sure. This is one of the ones, Paul, that you had sneakily watched back in the day. I, I think this was the one... No, I watched that... the whole show. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't yeah. this the one that you got dodgy <laughs> videos delivered in a car they boot? Dodgy. These were door. official... Official <laughs> 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 releases. Yeah, they, they weren't, they weren't off the back of a lorry. The... No, what was dodgy about it, Steve, is that you bring over the entire, like, run of tapes in the bed and I was standing there like you know looking in this boot and you know, I'd pick a tape and then I'd go I guess fair, it, for, fair. you know for the untrained eye that might have been <laughs> was he just there with a long overcoat just like whoa yeah have a look at this pick your tape <laughs> well that's it like as long as I wasn't thrown in the boot <laughs> then it was okay and Josh of course you're the reason we're all here covering two Vicks today because obviously we've been talking for quite a while about getting you on the podcast and obviously, this is the episode you end up choosing. Before we get into that, obviously, you're a big Star Trek fan. You're a stand-up. You know, you've actually done kind of Star Trek-themed moments of stand-up comedy. Uh, I swear I've seen you performing stand-up in Star Trek costume even. So why don't you tell us a bit about how you <laughs> fell in love with Star Trek, how you got into it, what you have seen, what you haven't in your Star Trek fandom? Um, it came from, uh, I just loved Wesley Crusher, which is kind of controversial. But when I was a kid, I really liked Next Generation, probably when I was like six years old. And I went to a toy shop and I bought a Wesley Crusher toy, but I had no other Star Trek toys. So he would just kind of be in other universes with like the Ninja Turtles. And I had Wesley Crusher so wrong because he was always a cool kid when I was playing with him as a toy, which he's not. He's a loser. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's a weird thing. It's like asking someone how they know the Beatles songs to me. It's just always been present in my life. Weirdly, I've, I've just I've always loved it. Yeah. So Wesley was was your way in, and so yeah. I guess TNG would have been your first Star Trek, essentially. Question, like, yeah, like at the toy shop, did they not have any of the other characters? <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they had all of them. But, it, but is it, we also referred to before to Gene Roddenberry saying that that Wesley Crusher was like his cipher for him. 
So like for young viewers, it's like, oh, I've seen myself in Wesley Crusher. Therefore, I feel like I'm part of the crew. You just picked the figure up and then, you know, created your own Wesley Crusher persona. Yeah, it's it was. <laughs> I always assumed that Wesley Crusher was like when like a cartoon in the 60s was tanking in the ratings. Like, you know, you know the Simpsons episode where they bring Poochie. in like Poochie. Yeah. <laughs> Or like um, Scrappy Doo or something, and they're like, "Hey, we need like a cool thing that or young Slimer. people are gonna like." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I I just thought he was awesome, and then actually, as I've gotten older and you watch it, you're like, "Ah, oh, this character's pretty annoying." I can see why they <laughs> why they wrote him out of the show. And obviously, we're gonna be talking about Voyager today. How did you get into Voyager? Was it just a case of you were, I'm not sure how old you were, if you were like around when it first came on like terrestrial TV or if you found it later? Yeah, I didn't like it when it was on. Yeah. Because it was, um, it was sort of, I think it was on after The Simpsons, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. They all were yeah. back in the day, yeah. What a calm down. <laughs> yeah, and it was, uh, I only got really into Voyager probably, actually in my 20s. I think it's the best Star Trek show. I think it's the best version of Trek. It's one of those odd things where, I mean, a lot of people obviously like the original series, but Voyager wouldn't exist without the next generation and the format of what the of what like Starfleet do and the idea that they're these explorers, yada, yada, yada. But I think that they took it and honed it and finessed it. And I really love the journey of the crew. I like the fact that they're really far away from home. I think it was a really smart move to put them in like the the Delta Quadrant where they have to travel for 70 years on this like impossible journey. And then like the Marquis have to step up and be crew and there's all the tension there. I thought seven of nine was like, like I like Kez as well. I know a lot of people didn't like her character, but um, I thought her relationship with the doctor was really good. I, I understand why they got rid of Kez to get seven of nine in and, and what the sort of money factors were there. And yeah, I, I, I've just always thought it was the best like episode to episode. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some trash episodes of Voyager, <laughs> but but that's just what happened in the nineties when you had to make like twenty six episodes a year. Like some of them are going to suck. What are your thoughts on Threshold, which was the episode we covered for a special episode we did about what have been like most voted the worst episodes of each Star Trek TV show? Yeah, it's it's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> they like so somewhere that which means somewhere in the Delta Quadrant, Tom Paris. And Janeway just have some babies around, yeah. around, right? Who've probably had their own offspring by now. So they're grandparents. <laughs> and it's just never addressed. This is the magic of network TV of the 90s, where <laughs> essentially th this stuff never needs to be thought of again. I mean, we're going to talk about an episode that ends very, very dramatically. And, you know, essentially will we'll never be mentioned again. We will never hear the name of Tuvix uttered again in the following five years of Voyager. This is going to be like a big deal that keeps coming back up or anything like that. In season seven, Paris isn't going to suddenly go like, Janeway, I remember what you did to Tuvix. Like, you know, like that's not going to happen. You see, this um, is what we talk about so much on this show, actually, especially with all the, the newer shows we've been covering. This, this feeling of missing this era of network TV and 26 episode seasons when you could do stuff like this and throw stuff out and you know i'm always advocating for strange new worlds which i think is doing and will come around to soon again of of the story of the week and the the, the less serialized stuff i've kind of had my fill of that again and what i'd give to have a, another show run as long as something like voyager and to have just big pockets of moments happen and it doesn't need readdressing or coming back around or tying in everywhere like everyone's gotten way too obsessed with tying everything together whether it's prequel stuff or whatever it is yeah it's really it's really refreshing to watch an episode like this again where it is such a big feels like a big episode feels like a big moment yeah uh, especially pivotal. where it goes and then it's just like you know what this is still standalone it's like great love it yeah, yeah. it's and that's why the fans a lot of the fans hated voyager was that it they didn't seem to learn anything from everything that they like every episode was just like a reset but if you take out i guess the journey of data is like quite a big sort of anchor as to like an arc that lasted seven years of like him learning how to be more human and and, and but if you take like the inner light out of the next generation canon like picard doesn't really learn anything really apart from how to speak in darmok and jalad or whatever that language is he, he learns like, to hang out with them at the poker game that, that's also, his seven season arc. <laughs> why is it in Lower Decks? There's the where Darmok and Jalad. Like, what planet is it? Tanagra? Is that what? What's the what's the planet that they're from? Fuck knows. It's, it's whatever that 
Alien is. There's a character on Lower Decks who still speaks in metaphor. And I just I don't understand why they haven't put him through the Universal Translator yet. Like, surely they would have figured that out by now. It doesn't make any sense that he's still speaking in poems. Yeah, this far down the line. I mean, I suppose Lower Decks is meant to be set only, like, not that long after TNG, isn't it? Or oh, it's just filled with references to make it Yeah, laugh. so, I mean, there's so that as well. Just, that, yes. that is the main issue. I mean, talking about Lower Decks, Josh, obviously you say Voyager is your favourite Star Trek TV show of all time. What do you think of the modern era of Star Trek that we're currently revelling in? I love Lower Decks, love Strange New Worlds, but Strange New Worlds, it doesn't feel like canon to me. It just feels like a brilliant tribute. Not that fussed about Discovery, and I thought season three of Picard was, like, perfect. Yes, season Um, three is the one, isn't it? And they married the episodic and the the sort of serialised thing really, really well with Picard, which is, like, you kind of have these three chapters. But seasons one and two were, like, quite heartbreaking. Season two was, like... It was like a fever dream to me. Like, yeah. I, that's how I felt watching Picard season two. I was like, this is why are you doing this to my hero? Stop it. I don't care about his mum. <laughs> well, that's yeah. exactly what what did you think of your beloved Wesley's reappearance at the end of season two? I mean, just so pointless. <laughs> it was so pointless. <laughs> well, why did he need to be there? Just, it was it, we were doing fine. He just sort of showed up ate some craft service, said five lines, and then just fucked off with Data's daughter. (laughs) Stupid. Sir, I know this may finish me as an acting ensign, but shut up, Wesley. He's mad at uh, Larry (laughs) David, isn't he? Oh, yeah, what's up? Oh, yeah, the thing... Uh, you know, Matt, I still haven't... I've watched the first two episodes of the new season of Curb. But you've not I, seen the Elmo I, Assault. I still haven't watched which the Which is Elmo real life, not Curb, yeah. Which, which is <laughs> real deal. I'm like, is... Uh, you've seen it, right? Is, yeah, is it's like... Is it's... understandable to be angry? Well, it's 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 shocking to see, but it's just really funny. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's... Yeah, it's the sort of thing where you thought you'd, you'd woken up from some sort of weird coma to log on and be like, Will Wheaton angry at Larry David for being an <laughs> Elmo? Do, like, do what we think that Elmo was hurt in this situation. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever seen a puppet look traumatized. It was weird. <laughs> Poor Elmo. I mean, and Larry does... David knows what he's doing. He's going for. He's not going for the puppeteer. You know, he's not kicking that guy behind the sofa. He's uh, he's way making <laughs> Elmo like you son of a bitch. I mean, Elmo asked to be tickled, not strangled. At the end of the day, that's that's the problem. Um, I have no idea what you're talking. <laughs> Paul is offline. You're successfully <laughs> offline, Paul. Paul's disconnected from the Matrix. Um, and Josh, you say you're a fan of Lower Decks. Can I ask what you think of the dreaded cunt that is known as Badgie? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get why they did it, but yeah, those aren't my favorite episodes. It's a weird one with Lower Decks because it's I, I don't I don't have the emotional attachment to. Like I care deeply about what happens to Seven of Nine, you know. I cared, yeah. I cared deeply about what happened to Data, or like it was nice to see Worf doing well and that he's meditating now, and that was all really like well written character development. But when mm. when it's like an episode of Lower Decks, I don't care about. I'm like I just half watch it. I'm not as em- any any way emotionally invested in that show as much as I think it's really funny. Yeah, it's junk food, Star Trek. Yeah. And Josh, as I was saying, you've your stand-up, you've kind of brought elements of your Star Trek fandom into your stand-up work, right? Yeah, I mean, yes. So I in my regular show, I don't I don't like have Star Trek jokes that I do in clubs because um it's important to make people laugh and can't really do that if you're being a Star Trek nerd. But like I have a TNG engineer's costume and I've done a couple of shows now where I've dressed up and pretend the thing is is it's not me doing it's not (laughs) it sounds so stupid it's not me doing jokes about star trek it's me pretending that i'm a crew member and i'm doing stand-up for people on the ships (laughs) so it's like they're the most niche it's like it's jokes like my wife's so ugly i wish she had the phage they're like really (laughs) like they're really stupid jokes but i just think it's too funny to not do it and like you can feel like even the people who like Star Trek are like, this is so stupid. And it's just, I, I, there's something about, like, about alienating a room that I just find hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Do you think this could develop into a full one man show? Like in the costume? I would, I mean, I would, I would absolutely, yeah, that's my yeah. plan. Like I did, I did 15 minutes on Star Trek two yeah. weeks ago. 
Okay, yeah. you're building towards it. You're building towards it. So it's it. getting there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well we look we look forward to it very, very much. But today we are going to be talking about the episode two Vix from Star Trek Voyager season two, episode twenty-four. And that that's not the fucking finale. By the way, episode 24 of the season is not the fucking finale. <laughs> That's how many episodes they used to have in these fucking seasons. Jesus H. Christ. Um, Josh, why did you pick this episode to talk about? Um, I think it's a really funny premise. I think it's a really uh, moving episode. And I think that Janeway is a murderer. Oh, see, this is, uh, I absolutely love it. We're going to get debating. Uh, so, uh, two bits written by Kenneth Biller, who was like a producer and executive story editor on Star Trek Voyager. So he's got credits on tons and tons of episodes. He also wrote on X-Files and Smallville as well. And directed by Cliff Bowl, who's a bit of a Star Trek stalwart, directed episodes of Voyager, DS9 and TNG. So he's very much a kind of veteran of the Berman era. Originally, broadcast on the 6th of May 1996 and first broadcast on terrestrial UK television on 14th September 1997 6.55pm on BBC Two so that would have probably come directly after The Simpsons and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air I would have thought. 15 months after original air date Yeah well I think at this time I'm pretty sure they were showing it on Sky in Mm. between so Oh I see so they would have got the first Yeah I think they would have got that first one in yeah, and, I have a uh, on videotape or on Sky. Yeah, so, there yeah. you go. And I mean, this is that time when it would have got released on VHS, isn't it? Before it hit BBC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I remember those days. I remember that was obviously, I wasn't huge into Star Trek back then, but I do remember X Files, the video with the season seven finale and the first two episodes of season eight coming out and being available before any of those came on BBC and renting it from my local blockbuster because I was so excited to see like the departure of Mulder and the arrival of Doggett played by Robert Patrick. <laughs> so, there was something yeah. so good about only having one thing for the weekend. You yes. Know? Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. I-, I watched Die Hard with a Vengeance probably seven times one weekend. <laughs> like I finished it on a Sunday and was like, mm, got, got to get this back in two hours i'm going to be charged that's like let's let's go again let's go (laughs) (laughs) when you rented a vhs and like you say you got it for like two Mm -hmm. or three nights whatever you did just end i remember yeah like specifically i remember randomly beverly hills cop and lethal weapon free renting both of them Mm -hmm. from my video shop and watching them like three times in a weekend just because you're like well i've got it and there's fuck all else on so well, I am bound that. into this contract for three so days. It's you and me, baby. Three times. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. The risk you take as well, where it's like it could chew up in the video player. Like it yeah. could all be yeah. a, a mission abort. Like, and there's like I can't go back. There's nothing else on. The, the feeling of like being let down when what you planned was not available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you get home, the video shop is now closed, <laughs> and you put on the video, and it's fucked then yeah that is that is not good it like you say it's such a weird thing now we're like deluged with content to think back of those days and just be like yeah that's that's all you had i remember tuvix like yeah vividly i don't remember many episodes of voyager from my first run but like it stuck with me this is the sort of first rewatch since the 90s and i yeah i remember it really really well and uh it's i think the testament to the power of the story because i think you're seeing your characters in a light that you you know makes you deeply uncomfortable but you can understand the motivations it's a great dilemma episode and star trek when they do these well mm. they are fantastic so yes yeah, so neelix and tuvok are out picking orchids N- no real explanation why oh they do they, then... so they could be tasty supplements <laughs> oh yeah that's right yeah but it's just so a for... really good scene isn't it in terms of that opening pre-titles like yeah. you say and this is the magic of network tv where they literally do write it in such a way of oh this might just be someone's first episode someone just might be stumbling across this so that opening pre-titles they realize they have to do a full scene where they properly introduce you to the characters of Tuvok and Neelix their relationship you need to get to know them and get to like them within that time and understand the differences between them before the inciting incident happens because if you're a new viewer you need to understand that all 
to understand mm. the stakes before it happens. That's so kind of like clever in terms of like the way it's written by it's economical. Kevin there. Yeah, yeah, economical. I said exactly yeah, that. Because it's not like, oh, I, I'm not enjoying, you know, being reintroduced to Tuvok and Felix as a long-time viewer. It's telling me something about them and their dynamic. It's great to see it play out and you want more of that stuff. So yeah, is, it serves two purposes, really. Is it Tuvix where Neelix sings a Vulcan funeral yes. dirge? Yes. It is, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, is yeah, it yes. one, of the, one of the lighter ones from the Vulcan like, <laughs> which I really like. But that. it's so well played. Like the comedy duo aspect of it is so well delivered. Like this odd couple, he's a Vulcan and he's a Talaxian and one's a, the, the morale officer, which is such a stupid thing. Like, <laughs> That's like the egg and spoon race at the end of sports day when all the kids that can't play sports get to partake. <laughs> and, and like Jane was like, yeah, you just you make people feel good. So just be the morale officer. And then Neelix takes it way too seriously, like annoyingly so throughout the show. And then they, they beam up and then get like, there's a buffer stream malfunction. And the thing that's really funny is that Neelix's clothes and Tuvok's clothes and the orchids all kind of merge into this like floral Starfleet costume which is objectively funny that, <laughs> that the writers were like and the outfit's also part of it as well like it's not just the dna it's yeah. also the buffer stream is also reassembled has an understanding of clothing yeah it looks like probably Jones had, like you know two-face outfit when it was done <laughs> <laughs> well i completely forgot that a bit of the fucking because i have watched this episode before this is one of the episodes i watched like off the back of the episode we did with sophie like you know seeking out some kind of classic episodes and i completely forgot that the fucking orchids meld with yeah. as well so you're not just got a bit of tuvok and a bit of neelix like you know you've got some orchids as well because this is as josh was saying there's um essentially a kind of transport malfunction and it all melds into one the orchids tuvok and neelix and they come out essentially as another person who eventually comes to call himself tuvix played by a completely different actor to tuvok and neelix and he is a completely separate entity and that's kind of the starting point of the episode. And then kind of how are they going to deal with that? And then at first, it was very much kind of, oh, well, we've got to sort this out, get Neelix and Tuvok back. Um, but as the episode develops and Tuvix develops his own personality, obviously it becomes more more complicated than that. Tuvix is played by an actor called Tom Wright, who's been in a bunch of things, including four episodes of Seinfeld as Morgan. Look at that. I've got one picture left. Uh you know what? How about a shot of me and Mr. Morgan? Eh? Why? Why? Because we're a team. Come on. <laughs> Would you take this for us, dear? Thank you very much. Here we go. <laughs> you know what I to tell you? You look a lot like Sugar Ray Leonard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you must do that all the time. I suppose we all look alike to you, right, Costanza? <laughs> what? No, 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 no. Racial thing. There really is a resemblance. Don't you think he looks like Sugar Ray? <laughs> Come on, somebody back me up. <laughs> Come on, little, little help. He looks like he's been loads and loads and loads and loads of TV, basically. But I do very much remember that bit from Seinfeld. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, and he, he this, is very good uh, in this episode. It was, it was great casting. It, you've got to believe that they could replace that, you know, he could be a regular on the show. And I think where this has worked before in let's say best of both worlds, where they bring in kind of like a, a character where you know, well, if you were following the show, Patrick Stewart, his contract is up. He might not come back for season four. And then you've got somebody else who's just been introduced who's a foil for Riker. And like they're acting, you know, alongside him as like already establishing kind of relationship. The same thing with like Tuvix. You could possibly see them going beyond the episode. And that's what makes it really work yeah i'd like to know how much studying of because he seems to have got the nuance of both the characters he he was like he had he basically studied with like he'd been in something with tim russ before and i think he'd kind of like gone to like drama school with ethan phillips so he was really familiar with both of them as pertinent people as fellow actors but they the producers have sent him like a few tapes of like their best moments i suppose for for research 
it's interesting because I think he's he pulls it off. I mean, it's so incredible, like how you kind of see a bit of Russ and a bit of Phillips in the way he kind of comes across. The director didn't feel the same way. He felt like, yeah, we pulled it off, but like he struggled with the pump. And I and I think he kind of over analyzed it and perhaps got a little bit lost in it. And I just I don't see that to be honest. No, no, I think he does a great. You know, it's it's an interesting. Um, it's a really. I imagine it would be a really hard job to do, especially when you're filming on like a seven day schedule where there's just no time for error. If you don't nail the scene, they're mm. moving on to the next setup. It's interesting. I'd like there, there there are things I'd like to ask. I was like when he first went to the bathroom and looked down at his like crotch, <laughs> like what. What did he have? Who? What was he working with? There's no reference to the fact that this person is also part flower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, where's that bit? Maybe that's what's down there. He looks down. It's just a fucking orchid sticking out. <laughs> well, I, I, if so I had annoying. an orchid for I don't think I'd be pursuing Kes from the get go. He's uh, working on my confidence a little bit more. Like poor Kes. I mean, literally, like immediately, like almost in their first scene, he's fucking iron her up. And you can tell she's a bit disconcerted, like, oh, what's what's going on here? And then, like, two seconds later, he's coming into her room being like, oh, I love you, Kez. And obviously, she's like, what the fuck? And it, the thing is, what I find really fascinating, the reason why I actually think the actor works so well is he isn't just playing a meld of Tuvik and Neelix. Obviously, there's the fucking orchid as well. But also, he actually mentions in scenes later with Janeway, he says, oh, you know, Tuvok and Neelix, kind of, you know, they carry on inside me. They're like my parents. So he's kind of making a very kind of thing of like, he is a separate person. He has got elements of Tuvok and Neelix. And it's interesting the way they kind of play on that. Like in the fact of when he gets in the kitchen, he's going like, this is such a mess. And obviously the reason he's doing that is because although he can cook because he's got Neelix's DNA, he's also got Tuvox. So obviously he's got that kind of logical, orderly side. So he's going, oh, this is a mess. I want to sort it out. And so it kind of shows how that changes mm. character. But also mm-hmm. he is his own person. And I think essentially he is very self-centered because literally when he goes after Kez and says like I love you she actually points out wait a minute I know kind of Neelix loved me but Tuvok had a wife as well so what do you think about her what if we ever get back home and he clearly is thinking in a kind of like instantaneous gratification way in terms of like oh well I don't want to wait to get back home to fucking Tuvok's wife I want you baby I think he is a very self-centered self-preserving character you know he doesn't actually think about Tuvok and Neelix at all he's very much like oh you know they're dead I'm alive that's it well it's fascinating because that's that's the 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 way that really makes this episode work and that character because like you say because for a while i was like they could play this where it's like oh i'm one of them or the other or they're trapped within me and stuff but by just saying like no he is his own person he has bits of both it does allow for that because so much of where the episode goes is dependent on him having an argument of like i am my own person and the way the premise kind of starts off it does make you think like oh maybe he is just a kind of they're both trapped within and the problem is to try and get them back out. And then as that kind of gets forgotten, like that kind of becomes lesser priority at the same time as he's making a mark as his own person, which makes the whole sort of third act really, really powerful. They've done this before, but they've played it differently. And I think this was written as a comedy originally. And so it was a massive rewrite to kind of take it seriously and create the dilemma. I think the original draft that the sort of closest to the Gnostic draft like had him go willingly to the to his death whereas oh, like it's actually so much more incredible television to like you know have him sort of beg for his life it's an incredible moment what's interesting is the first kind of half of the episode before they do that time jump about halfway through where they go oh he's been on board for two weeks he's established friendships and stuff like that what i find really interesting is they kind of talk around him immediately clearly their view is oh, well, we've got to work out what's happened here, separate Tuvok and Neelix back out. That's that's the aim. And they're kind of talking in that way about, like, oh, what are we can do, like examining him and everything like that. But they're not, like, talking to him. They're not going, like, oh, mm. Tuvix, what do you think, mate? They're just seeing him as, like, a problem, mm. basically. And they're talking around him to work out what they're going to do. Like, he hasn't actually got, like, autonomy until he's been on board for two weeks. And then they've all got to know him. And suddenly it becomes more yeah. of a 
it, well, debate. Janeway says, doesn't she, at that point, oh, if we had worked out this out immediately, that we wouldn't have thought twice about yes. sorting yeah, this yeah, out. Because yeah, it's yeah. just a problem to solve at the start. And then, yeah, yeah which but, is almost kind of callous as well. So there's a similar episode of Next Generation where Riker beams off the Potemkin and there's a buffer malfunction. So they accidentally beam one Riker back onto the Potemkin and one onto the Enterprise, and they don't know that the two exist for like 10 years, and then there's like an angry Riker living on a planet. And what I don't fully understand is, surely in the manifest of the ship somewhere, there would be that information on how to fix like a buffer stream malfunction like this. So what they could have done is looked that up and then separated Neelix and Tuvix, and Tuvok would have continued to exist as well, which is why I think... Janeway is a murderer. So well, what no, you're saying is, is like, I they should have done a bit records. more fucking research. <laughs> like you're like, no, guys, come on. It, like, it, was, <laughs> it was literally in last night's episode of Strange New Worlds where they kind of like address this buffer thing because there's there's a, there's basically a war episode and they're beaming in like waves after waves of like injured people and people who are like really fucked up. Uh, you know, need like uh, organs being you know replicated to replace them. The, the Walter yeah. weapon doesn't work, so they back up some of the hardest cases into the, the buff memory. Just say, let's keep them there. Their pattern's like there. It's a snapshot in time of them in a messed up state. But we'll once we get the thing delivered, we'll bring them back out and then we can do the surgery. But like when they kind of have a problem, they literally have to get the memory wiped. It's just, yeah. I think the data is so big, they can't store it. I think that's basically what I say. It's like we basically don't make enough. The hard drive's not big enough for Tuvok and Neelix to be here. Well, I was going to say. But if you're sending them down to the planet, like any time, you know, it's only two people, keep a couple of, couple of copies, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think she just was like, look, this is a small ship. We ain't got enough beds. Like, I can't, I can't put three of you up. And also, Neelix is annoying. I don't need another fucking half Neelix <laughs> pissing everyone off. Kind of shag Kez once Neelix is back. So just let's just knock this on the head and get rid of it. She him. was like, there's no room. Vote Braxton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it, it, I suppose it's like she just sees it as like two lice over yes, one. And it's, 100%. You know, these are the many. At least for these yes. the two Vicks. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, this thing, I understand what you're saying, but I think you've got to go, they're out in the Delta Quadrant. They clearly haven't got access to those archives or anything like that. <laughs> like, otherwise, you know, you would have thought, like, the Doctor and Kim have been working mm-hmm. on this, like, intensely. They would have come across that. Clearly, they aren't able to do that. So it comes down to Janeway making the ultimate choice. And obviously, it builds up to that. Because mm. essentially, you know, we have those scenes. There's multiple scenes in here between Janeway and Kez. Because Kez, obviously, a character who was, you know, in love with Neelix. Don't know why, but she was. <laughs> and she obviously greatly misses him. She's very weirded out by the whole Tuvix thing. She comes to visit Janeway in the middle of the night. Janeway's in her lovely nightgown. And she's kind of talking to her about Tuvok used to send her kind of letters and they kind of reminisce about Tuvok and Neelix. And, you know, it's clear that they miss both those people. It's like those people have left behind people on the ship who care about them deeply. And when it comes down to it, obviously for a while, it kind of seems, I think what's clever about it is, you know, at a certain point they go, basically, we can't solve it. Two Vix is here to stay. We're just going to have to get on with it. And then you have a time jump of two weeks. And Tuvix has very much ingratiated himself with the crew. You know, he's playing pool with them. You know, this is where it comes back to me of like, Tuvix being a very self-serving character, essentially, I think he's deliberately ingratiated himself because he kind of wants everyone to like him and love him. To be like, yeah, forget about fucking Tuvok and Neelix. It's all about Tuvix now, baby. And when they actually discover a way to get the others back then it becomes the mm. debate uh, you know there's that great line where we say at what point did he become an individual and not a transport accident mm. like you what? know that becoming the argument in terms of yeah when when did he become that and for me you know because we're obviously going to get into the debate here i agree that it is just a case of it is a simple choice it is 
two lives for one. If we ignore the idea of there is another way, like they could have come up with another way around this, if we ignore that idea, because I just think the idea is they're meant to, they haven't got the option. I think it is a simple thing of two lives for one, that's it. Yeah. And... It has to be a dead cert, though. That's yes. the thing. It's like, so yeah. you can't take a risk of killing somebody and come out of nobody. Like, yes. I think they yeah, make the yeah. mm. to, you know, that the solution is basically tested. It's worked for the orchids met time and time again. Yeah. They're ready to go. Mm. So it's like, yeah, we're going to get two for one. Like, I think, I think, I think the quandary that the episode doubles down on as well, which is very smart, is by making Tuvix a capable officer and, and good as well better, yeah, yeah a better a better yeah. guy like if he had yeah. come along and it was just a bit crap and a bit useless about well let's get rid <laughs> oh, of this guy of him. as quickly as we can yeah but by making them yeah like, yeah by making shit. him genuinely a great officer and who other people are like better chef yeah better chef yeah they they really like put that nail on the head of like yeah he's great at all these things we yeah, don't but... actually need the other two back but of course you know you got to it's about more than that yeah yeah if he's like crushing it as security officer, he's a better chef, and you sort of—I know they don't—you have, have to pay one less staff member as well. <laughs> <laughs> like they've streamlined their their crew. <laughs> I mean, like you've got, perfectly. but you've got to remember, Josh. They don't get paid. They live in a non-sky society. We do this for the betterment of the human. Jamie could have been lining up everybody. Like everyone, I'm going to pair you up. You're going to get in this accident, and we're going to create this super streamlined crew of like doubled up people. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like they freed up a bed. It's all like it's like one less person to feed, one less person like shitting in the toilet. Like it's all just. It's it seems like a no-brainer to me that they would have kept him on there. I wonder if the, I wonder if at any point the cast read it and were like, "Oh shit!" Like if if Tim Russ and Ethan Phillips, like when they were going through the script, were like, "Hang on, oh, okay, they kill him. It's fine. Okay, right, I'm, still, I'm still employed." You think perhaps they put it in there, but this is towards the end of season two. Perhaps <laughs> yeah. like they were renegotiating their deals, and they went right. Look, Tim Russ is getting a bit fucking above his station. Let's get this <laughs> episode in. And they go. They didn't send him the ending. They go. Oh, we can fucking replace you anytime with old Tuvix. Tim. He's just. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Don't don't worry about it. Like you know, I'll, I'll take sign any deal you want. Yeah, makes <laughs> total sense. I think as well, this episode slightly redeems Kesemar. So yeah, I like yourself, Josh. I like didn't have a massive problem with it, but I was, you know, it was a breath of fresh air when Seven and Nine came in and reinvigorated yes. the show. But it wasn't like I wanted Kess out. It was like it should have been a trade. I was like quite happy to have Seven just join the existing crew. So to see her here in a kind of crime, you know, quite some way away from being written out, it just was interesting to kind of see that. And go, it feels really quite uh, nice to be in that. And she plays the scenes with Kate Mulgrew really, really well. Particularly when she yes. says, like, you know, she goes for the second time and she's really upset that, you know, she doesn't love him and sort of like, I can't, I don't feel like for this person. Knowing full well that's going to be ammunition for Janeway. Well, she has some really good stuff in this episode. And it's those scenes, especially the second one, which made me see the essentially the abortion rights issue kind of parallels with this storyline, the sense of especially with Tuvix being like, oh, Neelix and Tuvok are essentially my parents, so let's mm. kill them. And then I survive very much kind of seem to be, you know, we know there are states in America who very much want it to, want to be, kill Neelix. Well, well, no, want it to be that if the mother <laughs> is going to die, save the child first and let the mother die because of the fucking nutters out in the uh, states. And this seems like very essentially like pro-abortion message. Yeah, save the parents, fuck the fucking child that's just been born. And just because he's kind of like demonstrating all this, the kind of stuff he's saying, like especially at the end, almost seems like this kind of, yeah, like right-wing rhetoric of like the kind of people who stand outside abortion centers having like you know a go at people poor women getting abortions just being like don't you see that this is wrong especially that is two women who make the choice essentially because it's cares who's just like comes along and she's in an absolute emotional devastation is just like yeah he's begged for his life but i i can't do it like i i want neelix back that's it essentially is kate mulgrew as janeway like who yeah, has to make the ultimate choice there's also like a sort of death penalty element to the way that they kind of give him this final injection. I know it's like yes. the, whatever the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, the ether whatever the the hydra spray, but um, there is that element where I mean I think that final scene when she walks out of the like you were just saying like the med bay her acting is 
insanely good for like for such a dumb show like it's such a <laughs> like it's and that's the one of the brilliant things about star trek as well is it gets a bad rep because people think it's you know people fighting with aliens or shagging aliens or like you know but really it is but oh yeah it is yeah and god bless them <laughs> for it but like it's the exploration of human stories like mm. abortion or like the death penalty and then also you get these actors that are just like some of the actors are built for TV, but some of them are working so far below their capabilities as well for like an episodic sci-fi show. Patrick Stewart was, you know, like that in a light episode when he's clutching the the flute at the end, the recipe flute that he gives so much or like there are four lights and all that stuff. But Mulgrew in that, it's like, it's one of my favorite moments of her because he doesn't say anything, but you see like, trauma devastation and like the stoicism mm -hmm. of a captain trying to do the right thing she does it all in one shot which yeah. i imagine she had like three takes and they were like yeah mm -hmm. fine next step next episode it was basically a face that could have just crumpled but it didn't it's like she had it all underneath the surface you know yeah. how she's feeling through that yeah. just like expression and it's, i would have yeah, i would have preferred yeah. it if she'd like walked out had that look and then just went, oh, thank fuck, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd do it again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, she is incredible throughout the episode and especially once it gets into that third act. And it becomes this thing. What I really like about it is, you know, she's made a decision. She is just like, no, two lies for one. That's it. And Tuvix starts going like, oh, wait a minute. Like, you know, don't I have a choice? And she's like, I'm the captain of the ship. And he's like, yeah, 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 but you're, this isn't, this is a bit outside your fucking remit, isn't it? And ultimately, <laughs> she's just like, no, not out here because they're out in the fucking Delta Quadrant. It's the wild mm. fucking West. At the yeah. end of the day, her authority exudes what she had in Starfleet because she's trying to hold a ship together. Like you said, Josh, she's trying to keep the tensions going between the Marquis and Starfleet. Like, you know, the fact that she's managed to keep captaining the ship and everyone together as a working crew when they're out in fucking 70,000 years into deep space. And like, ultimately you imagine mm. that in reality, most people would be going crazy and be like, well, oh. fuck this. Who gives well, a shit? There was a, basically a scene earlier on where it really helps us understand the motivation when she talks about like how she's lost her husband. You know, yes. she has to accept yeah. perhaps there's some days where I feel like, you know, I'm never going to see them again. And I have to accept that it moves on. She doesn't want to lose Tuvok. That's a friend. It's like, I have the chance to save a friend. Like, it's personal to her <laughs> as well. And Neelix. Yeah. Neelix is for Kaz. Yeah, Neelix did write in her letters. And I think, yeah, it's the best. Oh, like, oh, God, I've, I've pretty much lost my husband. Like, I don't, I have the opportunity to kind of save one of the people I care about in this godforsaken situation I'm in. So, yeah, I feel perhaps there's a little guilt around that, putting herself first. You know, it's interesting. She doesn't really get involved in the hugs and the kind of celebrations yet. She just walks right out. Yeah. She doesn't she feel that She has to way. walk away. I would have enjoyed a post-credit scene of them in the, the canteen and she's just eating Neelix's rank Leola root stew. <laughs> it's got one of his hairs in it. And she's like, oh, yes, it's great. This is a good decision. Ugh. Is it too late to get the guy <laughs> She was like, two Vicks was always forgiven. That's a good point as well. There could have been an episode later on where Neelix was pissing her off too much and she's been like, just can you just go stand in the um, transport boat for a second? <laughs> Why am I holding Tuvix? Orchid? Also, when they separate Neelo um, Neelix, it's so hard to say Neelix, Tuvok, and Tuvix, but when they separate Neelix and Tuvok, where are the Orchids? Surely there would be the Orchids as well. Why has yeah. one of them, has one of them still got like flowers his ass or something. <laughs> the lapels, like yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those fucking orchids, like uh, they come out. I mean, that's the thing. I was just like, I, I got really obsessed with the orchids. I was just like, is that why Tuvix is such a little kind of self-serving, snivelly piece of shit? Is that they got like a fucking orchid wrapped around his heart somewhere, like you know? But um, yeah, what I like today is the fact that Janeway is essentially saying out here in deep space i have got to be the ultimate authority i have got to be judge jury and executioner because essentially the buck ends with me it kind of reminded me of buffy the vampire slayer like some of the mm. later seasons of that where buffy becomes very much like a general and she's kind of like she has multiple scenes where she's basically like this isn't a democracy bitches i'm the fucking slayer 
that's it end of and like you know essentially i make final decision and that's essentially what she's saying in terms of well I'm the captain. This is a decision I've made. And I'm the slave who makes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're and you're fucking dying. And she like you know she turns up on the bridge and he's just like, yeah, Mister mm. Tuvix, can you come with me? Well, and... I was surprised they didn't revoke a security clearance like earlier. Like I, I would, it would be <laughs> yeah. funny if he's like goes to like the stage like I seem to be like locked out. My pass has been changed. Comes back out and like, have you made a decision? <laughs> well, I was yep. surprised he didn't go full Rimmer from Red Dwarf in the body swap <laughs> episode where he tries to steal Lister's body and just when they say they're going to take it back, just leave in a shuttlecraft or something like that and they have to chase him and be like, come back here, Tuvix. And he's going yeah. crazy. I thought that was going to happen. Or, yeah, or pull a face off and start cutting their own face up. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, like... Well, I love the whole tightening of the vice as it gets towards that kind of final scene because, you know, he has that really great confrontation with Janeway himself some really great dialogue in there and then the whole like main betrayal on the bridge when they kind of come for him is really it's quite scary because all the other crew members are there none of them are speaking up none of them are really no, even looking no, sad no, about it is, they're all just this... like the net is closing in you know i think we all should hear what you have to say please come with me mr Tuvix. no i'm ordering you to come with me Security to the bridge. Commander, you gotta stand by and do nothing while she commits murder. What? Mr. Ayala! Yes. Lieutenant Paris. You. Doesn't anyone see that this is wrong? Lieutenant Paris, you. You're, <laughs> you're my no, friend. Yeah, I think that's the best. Theme because I was like, well, as a kid watching, it's like I'm seeing my favorite characters, the mm. prism of like, you know, they're not standing up for this person and he's like pleading for their life. And it is still very anti Starfleet. It's too big, yeah. isn't a villain at all. Like, no, he, no. he, he yeah. has done it's, nothing it's wrong, it's just brutal. a circumstance. Yeah, it's, it's probably the most brutal scene in all of Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, yeah. It's really, I mean, it's Shakespearean. Like, you know, that whole thing where he's like, my colleagues, my friends, I forgive I you. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. And he, yes, it's, you know, you're all good people. I think that's the bit that kind of helps them, you know, just kind of get over it, essentially, or, or carry it. And I suppose if we talk about, like, you know, they're never going to revisit this, but it makes sense as to why you wouldn't need to, because they are traumatized weekly. They have to basically feel like they can <laughs> deal with some of this stuff. And him sort of letting him off the hook for it, I accept mm. it. You know, he does come around and says, you know, and, and tries to alleviate the guilt, because that's, again, he's a good person. Like, that's, I mean, this, this, creature that's been created is has a has feelings and has a sense of compassion for mm. these people he doesn't want them to feel this way he's also got that vulcan logic where he's like well yeah. obviously killing me is the logical thing to do here it's really beautifully acted when he says when he when he does finally accept it did, so did him and kez they didn't bang did they no no no, no, no. i think kez was freaked out by him i don't think she was going anywhere near him because they actually say in the exactly. um yeah. in the log janeway like says oh he's kind of like kept a respectful distance from kez because she obviously yeah. doesn't want to be involved with him like yeah, yeah. i think she is mm. quite freaked out by the whole situation because i've been taking a lot of cold showers yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. she wants that neelix stick back it's it's funny that whole kind of forgiveness speech he gives at the end kind of did make me laugh that scene because he's like you're all good people and i forgive you and it pans across everyone everyone's just like don't care we don't care abomination Uh, we're 70 miles from home you're 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 talking flower just (laughs) hideous looking alien yeah also you should have let me win at pool (laughs) just like the pan across people you expect a few like single tears but everyone's just like well they just all look insanely awkward don't they like when he's like pleading with paris paris just like oh um oh it's brilliant well played by mcneil yeah very Um, well played yeah. yeah they don't know what to do and ultimately they are just like oh well captain's decided that's it i mean the only time she actually comes up against some essentially some confrontation in terms of her decision apart from two bigs is when she turns up in the med bay and obviously the doctor's there going oh well i've taken the hippocratic oath do no harm i can't do it and that i really love because it's just mm. essentially her going right then fucking give it here i'll yeah. do it then. <laughs> like in terms of like because the 
badassness of Janeway. Yeah. She's just like, at the end of the day, yeah. someone's got to do it. I guess, you know, it's me. And the way she does it, like like Josh, like you say, when she actually injects him, it is like an execution. It, she is fucking cold as ice at the end of the like, day. Get on the like, bed. Because she <laughs> yeah. has to yeah, be. Yeah, that, that when she directors like sit there and it's like, just go, yeah, it's just, it's cold. The way they just cynical. look at each other. Yeah. Like, because it's kind of like, you know, Tuvix is looking at her with a sort of, it's not quite judge, 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 but it is just a little bit like, oh, <laughs> you're really going to do this. Huh? Like, yeah, just like, I would have, like, yeah. I'd appreciate like when they're at the bridge in like season six or seven. And like, I just appreciate it. It just Tom Paris just went, hey, remember when we all killed that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Comes, I know what you did else? last summer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, does anyone else remember that? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't the best movie. He's like, yeah. Josh, a bit weird you, about that. Have you got any Tuvix material in your standard routine? I have a bit about how Janeway should be, yeah, tried for murder. I also have a bit about how in the Orville, there's an episode where they're watching Steinfeld. And in Seinfeld, they talk about Star Trek a lot, which means that Star Trek exists in the Orville universe which means that they've based their whole existence on mm. how they've based their whole existence on a TV show from the 1960s. Uh, and I say, how is it possible if Star Trek exists that like, you know, uh, like Marina Sertz's character, Tim Russ's character, the doctor, like they're all in the Orville. So how do they exist? And then I reference it later on saying that the guy who played Tuvix is in Seinfeld so how do it's it's i'll be honest <laughs> with you guys I, it's yeah. seinfeld it, it, orville shared universe i feel like it's like some christopher nolan level kind of like you know yeah but i mean it, it what you've got to understand sense. josh is the janeway's just deleted this instant from the logs when they when they get yeah, back yeah. to when they I get back to earth finally yeah. so what I, paris is gonna be like oh you remember about the two visits so she's like it's on the two vixay <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I was wondering because it's there was there's there's some really kind of shaky Starfleet bending shit she does throughout the show, like at certain points, which like are necessary evils that she has to do to keep the ship from being taken over or they're all being killed or whatever it is. The prime director takes a battering, and Janeway is usually the axe wielder. I was wondering to a certain extent, like, will they have to answer for some of the stuff they've done when they get back? And this is the thing of it being episodic network TV in the nineties. It's funny, Josh, you saying this is your kind of like for you think it's the best Star Trek show. I think it had the potential to be the best Star Trek show. I think all the potential is there and they've got the actors to do it. But I'm just like the whole marquee thing. Let's face it, within about three episodes, all tensions are gone. Marquee have completely fucking sold out. They've given up all their revolutionary they're, they're, tendencies. Well, they're, they're, they're even have, have earrings on. <laughs> yeah, yeah if they'd done it now, if this was made now by the end of the first season there'd be a civil war on the ship the marquee would be trying to take over and everything like that and it'd be all out war Janeway would be doing more and more shit that would be like terrible allowing Vic to, of to, space to, yeah. yeah yeah well yeah. she'd be like Rick in The Walking Dead but like in in Star Trek going just like pushing her humanity to the nth degree and I think that would have been fascinating to see. And I think an episode like this gives us a glimmer of oh, kind of what I, could yeah. have been. I'm that kind of darkness. We don't, we don't have it. But I'm also, you know, I do feel Voyager's unrealized potential. I would like to see that potential realized in a 90s fashion, not a 21st mm. you know, century. I want it like Golden Era. But I think they could have explored things at the time. In, in, at the time in that way, in that vein. You know, we've got episodes of Voyager which fully demonstrate they had all the ingredients and this is one of them. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I, I think it's a really, really great episode of TV and a, a really good one to show. Cause I actually watched this uh, with my wife who'd never seen Star Trek Voyager before and never actually seen any classic Star Trek before. Like, cause in when I say classic Star Trek, I just basically mean Star Trek to Enterprise kind of thing, like the old era. Even and... after nearly eight years of uh, you doing the show. Yeah, no, she's, she's, never... Just, she's never... She's seen, like, I think, the odd <laughs> clip but like, and I think her, yeah, I think yeah, basically, <laughs> I think I think her dad used to watch TNG like when she was young, so I think she caught the odd bit. 
but this is the first time she actually sat down and watched the episode and she does watch discovery and she watches strange new world so you know she she has watched the star trek but the, the old stuff she's really averse to but i was just like look like i'd be really interested to hear your take in terms of see what you think it's blatantly gonna be a bit of a debate in terms of this episode i'd just be interested to see what you thought and she watched it she absolutely loved kate mulgrew she thought her performance was incredible but also she was completely on Janeway's side, 100%. She she, <laughs> she really didn't like Tuvix. She was just <laughs> like, oh, get rid of this fucking loser. Like, <laughs> like get him. <laughs> so yeah, no, there you go. She that's that, that was her takeaway. But yeah, she very much enjoyed it. And just, you know, pointing out like we were that final shot of Janeway, which is brilliant, of her walking out the corridor because you see her break for literally like a second. You literally just see her go like she's going to break and then she's like no carry yeah. on head held high go back to being the captain and that's it because she can get she can give herself like a second but that's it and when she's actually doing the execution you can see her like her face is so clenched she's really like holding it together because she's got to got to show that strength and will in front of her crew uh, because otherwise because anything they're on a nice edge and if like she doesn't show absolute authority that's that's it it's all over but but perhaps we should move on to kind of final thoughts with the episode. Josh, I think we should come to you first. So do you still think that Jane Way is is guilty and she'd be put on trial? <laughs> Uh, I, I think for comedic purposes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> In reality, no. She obviously did the right thing. I, I think that regardless of my sort of nerd study, that there was probably a way to keep all three of them. I think she made the right decision, yeah. Okay, okay. And you got any final thoughts about the episode itself? This is a, like you say, you showed this one to your wife. I think when I'm showing people Star Trek and they haven't seen it, it's a bit of a heavy lift to show them like Best of Both Worlds or Year of Hell. I think this one's really good. I always show people Data's Day as well when they haven't seen any Star Trek because I think that's a really weirdly non-sci-fi, very deep, um, emotional, lovely, light episode. My friend Chief O'Brien often says that above all else, he wants to make Keiko happy. Since cancelling the wedding will make her happy, I must conclude that Chief will be pleased at her decision. I have good news. Oh? Keiko has made a decision designed to increase her happiness. She has cancelled the wedding. She what? Cancelled the wedding? Today? Without even a word? Of all the childish, selfish, irresponsible things to do... Next time, maybe I should deliver the good news. I guess my final thought is an opinion, which is I do think Voyager is the best theme tune of all I agree. the Star Trek. Oh, I agree strongly. Yeah, good. it is beautiful. Jerry dum, Goldsmith, dum, dum, incredible. Dum, dum, dum. It's fucking, it just sings, doesn't it? It's so yeah. good. I but never was, skip yeah. that shit. Never skip yeah. it. I was yeah. coming at doing the dishes earlier. I have only yeah. watched yeah. this yeah. one episode again today, and that was it. Yeah, Goldsmith. Yeah, it's, it's, it's either this or... Did he? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's up there with Enterprise. <laughs> well, well, you just say, the, it's just like you've just got your know, higher genius like theme. That's what you need to do. Josh, if you dipped into Star Trek Prodigy, because obviously Kate Mulgrew is back as Janeway in that. Yeah, I gave it a whirl. And then everyone, I went to the premiere of Lower Decks and they were like, they were like, save Prodigy. Everyone was chiming. And I was like, I'm good. Man, Prodigy, Prodigy's <laughs> really good. But speaking, speaking as people have watched, I've watched the first, the entire first season, which is like twenty episodes. We we covered both both parts of season one on here, and it is worth saving. It is a really, really good brave especially as it's been designed for a kid audience to get them into Star Trek. I think it's uh, it's the most like original of the new Star Trek shows, certainly. Yeah, I've done my I... final thoughts. I think I've said all I need to say about Voyager and, uh, you know, how good this episode is. Cool. Matt? Matt. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with all you guys and, and with Josh as well saying this this does feel like a really good episode to introduce someone to Trek to because, yeah, it is very standalone and it's uh, the classic dilemma genre, uh, moral quandaries, which they always do really well. Uh, and I guess for the whole debate for the end, you know, I guess it, it is very tricky because it is almost like a Schrodinger's cat scenario of like you can say this but then there's this as a counterpoint and it's like yes he does have a right to live 
but also a few weeks ago it didn't exist. So it's a very it's a fine line. It, like they say, if they sorted it out straight away, it wouldn't have been a big deal. And I guess it kind of as a forward summation, you could say, easy come, easy go. <laughs> Sorry, Tuvix. <laughs> but it's uh it it is fascinating. And okay. I think having the strength of writing to have Janeway obviously be the one to come forward. And there, there's interestingly not much debate going on between crew members. There's not a lot of like it's not like Captain America Civil War or something where suddenly like three or four of the crew are like don't do it and the rest are all like do it and then that yeah. has to get resolved it's pretty much like we're all kind of leaning this way and Janeway's leading the charge and so it becomes very much deliberately Tuvix versus the rest of them and then it's kind of I like the the strong focus on him for that entire last third and his slowly like his his defiance and then his wearing down and acceptance and I think it's incredible mini character arc for like a guest character who never yeah. shows up again or before to have in the space of one episode. And it is quite sad seeing it, seeing some of the stuff written about it on the Wikipedia page and how just how much like Poochie this almost is. Because at the at the end of the segment on the wiki page about Tuvix as a character, there's just one line that says, Tuvix was never mentioned again during Voyager's remaining five seasons. <laughs> it's like he returned to his home planet. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think it's a great episode. And yeah, I I probably said this last time, but I will be getting back onto more Voyager. Good lad. I do have one thing to say, but I think it's because I've not given my opinion on this. I, I found it awkward and, and difficult at the time to accept that they should kill this character. And I still do. Like, okay. Yeah. But is it a case of even though you know it, it is the right it, it, decision? It, no, I, yeah, I don't, don't. I don't know if it is the right decision because I, I still feel like they've killed somebody who was living at that point in time. And who, and who are they to like wield that? There was an accident. Shit happens all the time. But this person's been created as a result of it, and it's just like arbitrary ending a life. Like I feel it's never, never sat well with me. Okay, they kind of write themselves into a situation where they can prove that that there will be two people at the end result mm. of it. Still doesn't make it any easier because it makes me see everybody differently, and like it's a stain on all of them. So yeah, I did. Have yeah, I, that's to tie in and and just tie wrap wrap up with what you're saying is that I do feel like they could have. Because it's not an ensemble cast episode, is it? It's like, it's mm. very much Kez, Janeway, Bits of the Doctor, and Two Bigs. It would have been nice if, like, there was a few cutaways of him, like, I don't know, like, eating Tom Paris's lunch, or, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, like, being really good at Ensign Kim's job. Um, <laughs> and just so all the crew, one by one, are like, oh, yeah. prick. Yeah. He's yeah, like, Balana, I'll be with everybody one by one. <laughs> yeah, I just absorb yeah. them all. Balana was like, I can't remember seeing her remember in this episode. I think she was in the briefing room. Like, briefly. Yeah, that was like, it. One scene. She does appear briefly. Yeah, yeah. Just like him beating Chakotay at an arm wrestle. So so when it's time for him to die, every, 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 you get that everyone's like, yeah. Get, like, get rid of this guy. It'd be like, who yeah. shot JR? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it would have been good at the end when she's like, I'll do the spray. If every cast member was like, I'll do it. No, I'm happy to do it. I'll, I'll They're all waiting. With please, the... please. Yeah. Like, Someone just has got this like, I don't deserve this shoddy treatment. <laughs> well, Josh and Paul, I've got news for you. You'd never make it as a Starfleet captain out of the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love this episode. I, I think Janeway is absolutely badass. And uh, yeah, I, I just think it's, a, a, like you say, Matt, to be able to build up this much character, this much tension, this much drama within like essentially like 43 minutes mm-hmm. of television, it is a fantastic achievement. And That's what Network something... TV was so good at. And I think yeah. that art of writing has definitely been lost because people be like, well, we have a whole season to do yeah. this. It's like, you do ain't it never getting an episode that packs this much in yeah. Netflix. No way. So yeah, really, really impressive uh, thing. I think it goes to the kind of dark places that Voyager perhaps should have gone more often. Josh, where can we find you online? Instagram or TikTok. Just type Josh Weller and I'll be there. You'll be straight there. And if you've got shows coming up and stuff like that, the the proposed Star Trek Engineer show coming soon? Uh, many. They are all on. I mean, it's every. This is. I'm amazed I had a night off to do this. So it's, I'm very happy to be doing it. And, but um, I'm in a 
somewhere every night of the week. Just look Josh up, obviously, on, on social media and you, you'll be able to see all, all your shows coming up on shore. Go and track him down. And yeah, thanks so much for coming and joining us. It's been absolutely awesome. And Thank you for having me. You can find us at Spotlight Pod on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we are not on TikTok we are all too old for that shit <laughs> go find Josh on there instead and uh, we will be back with another episode an episode on Star Trek Strange World season 2 um, with returning guest Sam Clement for the 90 minutes or less film fest podcast finally getting back on the slew of new Paramount Plus backed Star Trek TV uh, we've got to do Lower Deck season 4 at some point as well and deal with my brain <laughs> aneurysm over the return of the dreaded badgie now, now bets sure how take I'm the bets on <laughs> will spotlight outlast paramount plus <laughs> yeah. i think this is going to be the liz trust lettuce kind of like uh, yeah. i mean i think it's quite possible the way it's going frankly yeah. uh but you know we we shall we see were there before them we'll be there after <laughs> yeah yeah we'll, we'll fucking bury paramount plus don't you worry <laughs> a discovery season five as previewed by doug jones and his birthday message to me is also coming soon as well so yeah there's gonna be plenty of new star trek content for us to cover um we would be very interested to hear listeners what you think about uh, the whole Tuvik situation do you think that Janeway is a murderer or do you think she was right to put fucking Tuviks in the ground right in <laughs> uh, spotlightpod at gmail.com or just get in contact on any of our socials perhaps we should put a poll up was mm. she right to kill him or not that would be interesting to get into and we shall see because I know I know this is a controversial one I have actually asked people on this podcast before Josh other guess i've just randomly thrown out the question was janeway right to kill tuvix and we we have got some varying answers i think it was james dyer from empire magazine who went tuvix was a twat like kill him (laughs) (laughs) so you know yeah it's it's been an interesting one so yeah be interested to hear from you listeners and if we get any kind of convincing arguments for why tuvix should live (laughs) they will read them on a future episode but until next time live long and prosper people live long and prosper justice for tuvix (laughs) (laughs) hashtag justice for tuvix (laughs) 